The Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented to you by MyBookie.ag. Right now, for football season, MyBookie.ag is offering you up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right, $1,000 in bonus bets for your first deposit when you use the promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. And we're also brought to you by Amazon. Log on to SportsGamingPodcast.com, click the Amazon banner, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop to score some sweet savings. Help the podcast grow, and as always, get yourself a nice Inside Vegas tea, sportslivingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Welcome into the first, I believe first of its kind, man, crossover episode between Inside Vegas and the college experience. So who else will we have on one talking about the college experience than its creator, Colby Dan? What is going on with you, my friend? I know you're traveling the world right now out in the mountains of North Carolina uh, doing kind of your thing, man. How is everything with you, bro? Going good, brother. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I'm looking forward to this crossover, man. I got to have you come on the college experience sometime. Anytime, my man. So look, you know, this show has always been kind of about origin stories and kind of big pictures and and different ways to handicap games, different ways to skin the cat, man. And throughout everything, um, as we were talking kind of before this and off area, throughout kind of the relationship that you have developed with, you know, Ryan and Sean and, and SGP as a whole, man, have I don't think we've ever really kind of dug into uh, the enigma that is the Colby Dent, all, a.k.a. Nick Velvet when he is out in my neck of the woods in Vegas. <laughs> Uh, so I want to kind of start there, man, and kind of where everything started for you, whether it to be to give anyone who wants to get, you know, break into this space, a kind of a, a, you know, lesson along the way, the story of kind of how everything came to be and ultimately, you know, spinning you off into kind of the college experience on the SGP network, man. For sure, man. I, uh, well, I mean, I, I grew up on the East coast and I moved out to LA to pursue stand up and, and, uh, writing and, and and stuff, I guess a little bit of acting, but not really, um, and doing stand up in the, uh, you know, mid two thousands or early two thousands, one of my first, probably my first year out here, I met Sean, Sean green doing stand up, And, you know, we were, we were friends. We had mutual friends in between, uh, doing stand up, And, you know, as the years went on, you know, became better and better friends. And then, uh, and then randomly around 2011, you know, cause I didn't hang out, hang out with him outside of doing stand up. Just like you run into him doing stand up, you knew he was an Eagles fan. You'd bullshit about that. You'd drink a beer, but um, around 2011 or 12, maybe, or maybe even 13. I don't. I'm not real sure when I first started, but he he was like, "Dude, I know you know college football really well. Can you write a little segment for us?" And uh, and I said, "Sure." You know, and I, and I just wrote. I think at the time, like six games. You know, uh, it, it did fairly well with that. And another thing was, I knew Kramer. We would Sean and and and. Kramer and Sean's like crew that he ran uh, Venice Beach on Sundays. So I would play with them. Sean wasn't always there, but Kramer always was. So I knew Kramer through that. And uh, but then once I started writing, you know, they were doing the podcast. I'd come on as a guest at the beginning of the college football and college basketball, uh, or the college, the NCAA tournament, or the college football season, the beginning. And then it kind of evolved from there, and we kept uh, we kept you know working i would write conference previews for every conference and then you know uh 
stand up got stronger together when, when me and me and him would, would get up and do more shows and we try to help each other out on shows and if i knew of a show he could get on and he, he knew of a show he could get me on then we would do that and then uh and then you know just orga- everything was organic from there you know i had expressed interest on, i said no one covers in my opinion no one covers college football and college basketball like us and there's an outlet for that and then you know he's like well let's get you your own show dude so it's all worked out from there man yeah, man, and you've really kind of done the, um, you know, both things when it comes to both the podcast world and kind of obviously tracking the plays. And I know one thing that you've always said, as you just said, nobody kind of covers it the way that you do. And what was the stat, bro? We, you've picked every college game ATS for the last like three, four years on on the site, right? In one way or another. Yeah, on the site, I've never been below fifty uh, percent. I actually think, I actually think I've been uh, some of the years I've been. For, in the sixties, but, uh, but yeah, never, never lost money on my, on my locks or my, uh, or just picking every single game entirely. We pick every single college basketball and college football division one game. I want to get so. your take on kind of the, uh, let's call it the tout industry. Let's call it the paid for play kind of paid content versus free industry, because I think you're a good person to kind of, um, you know, bounce my theory off of, and it all comes down to this for me. People really only get upset when they're the ones footing the bill. If you go somewhere for content and it's, you know, via, whether it's on TV, you're paying the cable bill, but you're not paying them directly for content. If it's online, uh, you're paying your internet bill, your phone bill, but you're not paying the content provider directly. And so when you ask, you know, those people are making money, you know, through advertisements, through sponsorships, and even in the, you know, kind of the podcast world as well, that's kind of the model. Um, where do you kind of see, I mean, especially with legalization, with everything like that, man, what are kind of your thoughts and, and feelings on the kind of free versus uh, paid for content in the space of sports handicapping right now? I mean, I've always felt, I mean, I, I, it's kind of split. I, I, I just feel like I, I always wanted to do it for free just because I thought I've been burned by people that said they knew this stuff before. And I know there's good people out there that, that, can, that can actually give you good picks. Uh, so I don't want to totally shit on them, but I, I will say that I've been burned before. So I always was of the opinion of like, Hey, I'm going to do it for free. You know, I know, I, I know, I know my, what, what I'm talking about to a certain extent. And, uh, and, and that, that's been my angle. And I think, you know, as the more States legalize this, the more it's going to go free. I, I think for some reason, I don't, I don't know if I have a real inside knowledge on, on why that would be, but I just think more people, there'll be more experts. And I think, it, it, I mean, I don't know, because you look at Vegas Dave or something that makes a killing off of it. Um, maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe, it, you know, that's what I feel like you live in Vegas. You kind of are better connected at that than myself. I, I kind of, you know, from an, sit back and not as much as part of that world as I, I probably should be. But I, I, I don't know. I've always been of the opinion of I, I'm going to give my picks for free. And, and as far as like pay for play, as far as like, are, are you talking at all about the, the new California act to pay players? No, no. I just meant, you know, paying for uh, picks as a whole in general. Yeah. I mean, that's um, my thing is I, I, I just thought I'm not really on board with that because I just, I mean, I, dude, I grew up, I had an uncle that was a bookie. I just, so I, I remember as a kid, we would, we would sit there and try to, uh, you know, uh, watch those like 30 minute segments, paid programming TV of, of handicappers trying to sell you on their picks. And they'd give you like one or two for free. And I remember like, I disagree with some of them and, you know, I'm sure they were right sometimes and I was wrong, but I just kind of thought it was, uh, you know, not, not my cup of tea, man. I'll just say that. Yeah. No, man. I don't want to, I don't want to shit. There's, there's good people out there that I'm sure I would, if I was to say, 
they're all terrible. I, I know there's people out there that know what they're talking about. It's like when, when you come to, especially with like with, with your baseball, I know you know what the hell you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, so I would hate to say, you know, that all of them are, are frauds because I don't think that's accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, bro. Uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you, man, because again, you have such a comedy background, much like Sean. The kind of, I think that there is such a split in the content world when it comes to sports betting, man. Either it's incredibly informative, but it is incredibly dry and it is a process to get through, or it is just pure comedy and people are there to watch somebody sweat or they're just looking, uh, you know, laughing and using it as entertainment and what comes out of that person's mouth or, or what they write is largely meaningless when it comes to making meaningful plays on a game. And that's one thing I've always hung my hat on, whether it be SGP or SGPN, college experience, whatever it is that... The blend is really there, man, but nobody is really, you know, taking huge advantage of it on a national scale yet. Uh, with you having that comedy background, man, you know, did you ever kind of fit, you know, when you were putting together kind of the concept for college experience and, and everything that goes in that, because you have such that comedy background, you're a funny guy, bro. That it is what it is. You know, did you think that maybe, oh man, is this going to be looked at as just a comedy show that talks about sports or kind of, how did you um, kind of split that up and split that difference? And kind of, do you even agree with that take that there's usually pretty much uh, one or the other outside of the space right now? Yeah, I would agree with that. That, that there is, and if I, you know, a lot of the ones I'll listen to outside of our our network and stuff, I feel like they miss the entertainment element. You know, they, they might be really good on their stats and their picks and everything, but they, they, if they're just spewing analytics, it's not very entertaining. So I was a little conscious of that because when I went, when when Shauna told me, "Let's get you your own podcast," we were trying to think of names, and I was like, "Bro, let's do. Let me handle college football and college basketball, and we'll call it." You know, we were working with names, but I really wanted to make it like the college experience. Like, the, it, uh, it, like we were drinking, we're having fun, you know, we're ordering pizza. Like, you'd be in a dorm room with your friends, you know what I mean? And yep. and that's what I wanted to do. And, and so you you wanted to have laughs at the same time. So, and I think that's just naturally. When, when Patty C., who's the co-host with, the, with me on the show, we've been friends since we were in third grade. So, uh you know, it's pretty natural when we hang out in general with their, whether there's a microphone or not, that we're just going to be a little bit of, you know, an idiot and also, uh, having fun. And, uh, we do know football very well. You know, Patty C played defense back at James Madison university played high school. We, I, I played football with him at, at on, on a certain level back in the day. And, uh, you know, we're both huge nerds of the sport, football and basketball. So I think that's why it, uh, it, it, I like to think it's successful. So I think that's why people dig it. So yeah, it was, con it was conscious though. I would say, I, I think it was conscious. Yeah. Um, you know, man, I, I've gone back and forth in this because I have really, when I started handicapping in the space and again, everyone knows I kind of came from that DFS world of NFL. Um, so I used to hate college, uh, sports in general. I still don't necessarily love, uh, college basketball aside from March madness and kind of, you know, everything that comes with that, the atmosphere of friends in town, but as a pure standpoint, man, basketball to me as a whole is definitely kind of on the last of, of what I, uh, truthfully enjoy in some way. I used to love, love, love the NFL. And I just thought the college game specifically talking about football was so messy. It was so, it was just, it wasn't polished. It wasn't crisp. It was, um, you know, just a, a little bit of everything, you know, so many different schemes and different this, and this one's air raid and this one's triple option. And when you were talking about a sport like football, it was a little bit easier to compartmentalize systems are a little bit different, but largely, largely they are the same thing. And somewhere along the line, man, I don't know where it happened. I don't know how it happened. I have completely flipped to, I love college football. I 
tolerate the NFL. This is nothing political. This is nothing this or that. I just enjoy the game so much more. What kind of led you to be drawn towards that college, um, you know, the collegiate side of sports and sports betting rather than the pros? I know you still do some pro stuff, of course, but of course the focus for you is, is usually always on college sports. Yeah, I mean, my heart's in college in college football, man, and college basketball. So, like, as a kid, me and my brothers really, uh, or, or we, me and my, I should say my brother, uh, we just, we, we appreciated the pro game, but we even grew up in, in the Washington, D.C. area, and the Redskins were winning Super Bowls, uh, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. But when we got into college football, man, we went all the way in. Like, we, we love the atmosphere. To me, I still say, I don't care, you know, Lambo or Arrowhead, that's a good atmosphere, but it's nothing like going to a college football game. You know, I, and I, I spent some time at a small school in East Carolina and, uh, and that, that, that was a small school that, that would sell out games with, you know, 50, 60,000 people. And it, it would be, a, it would just be awesome. And th- to me, there's no environment and you can go across the board, man. I went to a Montana football game, which is an FC, which is a division or CS school, like basically division two or one a, um, and I mean, the whole town shuts down. It's just, it's like the Super Bowl. It's like, honestly, you're there for the Super Bowl. So I, I fell in love with that aspect of it. And then I also dig the fact that you just said, like, I love the contrast of like, hey, one week you're playing a triple option. The next you're playing air raid. The next you're going with the pro. I think that's a cool element about it. You know, how, you, you know, having the service academies running this old school offense from the 1940s. And then the next week you're, play, you're playing this, you know, pro, whether it's pro style, whether it's whatever. Um, I, th- I think that's an element that always appeals to me. And another thing that I think is, is kind of big about the college game that in a weird way, you know, Mike Leach, the coach of Washington state kind of told me this. So, I, and once he told me this, that kind of opened me up to thinking, yeah, he's right. Is that there's no more innovation going on really in the NFL. The coaches are very vanilla. They're kind of corporate, you know, front men, essentially the front for their company, essentially. But like back in the eighties and nineties and and seventies, you'd have very cutting edge football coaches at the pro level, whether it was the run and shoot with June Jones or, or Jerry Glanville or, uh, you know, uh, the 46 defense with, with buddy Ryan that came out of nowhere, you know, like there was innovating styles where now everything is copycat in the NFL. And really you find, I think you're innovating coaching getting done on the high school and college levels. So, so I, that always appeals to me too, because that means I really believe the better coaching is going on, on the, on the, uh, on the college and high school levels. From an X's and O's standpoint, I mean, of course there's so many different things there, but you know, what is the biggest difference that you've seen when it comes to handicapping college football game, uh, versus let's say the national football league, or we can even liken it to NBA and college basketball kind of college as a whole. I mean, to me, it's just so much more system based and it, it's funny, man, because you know, how many times do we joke about, you know, system quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, make the case for whoever it is. Um, but nobody really, I mean, nobody says that really about, uh, college teams for the most part. Sure. Some of the marquee ones, you know, your, you know, Oklahoma, of course, you know, that's a system quarterback. That's a system thing a thousand percent. And there is specific instances, but largely it's looked down at so much more either when, you know, uh, players in that system come out versus, you know, with the NFL where it's almost a, you know, people try to knock, you know, system players down. And I'm not really sure why wins a win covers a cover in our world for that situation, right? But what's the biggest kind of differences you see from the collegiate game on both sides uh, to the pro game, whether it be basketball or football? Um, well, I would say if, if, if for football... I'm handicapping I mean, outside too. Okay, okay. Uh, well, football, obviously, like, you definitely have system guys. I mean, Texas Tech 
time, whether it was Leach or whether it was Cliff Kingsbury, they would just pull up, like plug these quarterbacks in. And, and those guys didn't really have successful careers, whether it was Sonny Cumbie or Cliff Kingsbury or, uh, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is a coach in the NFL, but his pro career was very short. Uh, there's, there's, uh, the offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator of, o- of USC right now. He didn't really make it in the NFL either. I think he lasted a little longer than the other guys, but they were kind of plug and play, but now the NFL is catching up to college. I mean, like, so that system, the air raid was working on the college level. Now it's going to the pro as Kingsbury's in, uh, in uh, with the Arizona Cardinals and, and Andy Reid, I know, uh, has put a lot of elements of the air raid in his, in his offense now with the chiefs and a couple other coaches, but. But uh, yeah, I mean, and now you're starting to see like Texas Tech had Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and Davis Webb all on the same team. They all got drafted, you know, pretty high in the NFL. So, but yeah, as far as systems in college, yeah, I, I, I believe also from a gambling sense, if you know the system, like it's something you, you pay attention to. If it's a triple option team and you know a team is playing uh, and they don't have a bye week and you got to play a triple option team the next week it's going to be high on your defense. You know what I mean? And the same thing goes for an air raid. I think it's a little more stats probably favored the triple option as far as uh, covering, I bet as opposed to air raid the next week. Cause I think when you prepare for the triple option, man, it is tough. It's a patient offense. You have to really be patient and, and put and stay in your areas defensively and discipline. And, um, so I think that's the, for handicapping. That's huge, man. I mean, I, I use that trend all the time. It was like, Oh man, you know, take example, and I'm going against my own trend this weekend with with Hawaii. They're taking on Air Force. Hawaii's coming off of a game at Boise, big game. They're coming back home to the island. Air Force, a triple option team, coming down to Hawaii. And, and you know, nine times out of ten, I feel like when these situations happen, you'd want to bet on the team with a triple option because it's been you only had a couple of days to prepare for this thing. But I do think Hawaii is a really good football team on the island. So I'm going to actually go with Hawaii net and disobey what I normally listen to. But uh, that's an example. Normally, I would go with 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 the option team, you know, Army against Western Kentucky this weekend. I might go with Army. I'm not sure. That's good. That, that line's pretty even. But a lot of times you want to you want to look for that. Like I cashed in with Michigan because of that. Um, so so I think that's a trend. And also college basketball, Here, or college football, and college basketball. I really be honest, like I think when they hit the road, I've made arguments that I think, you know, the SEC is a little bit, I know they're really talented. They put the most pro players in there. I don't want to say they're a bad conference, but they get a pass. They don't play as many away games as the other conferences in football. So I really think you look at the stats. I mean, a perfect example was teams were seven and 48 uh, go on back-to-back away games. Last year. Power five teams were seven and 48 on back-to-back away games. Wow. So at, it's 55 games. But once again, the conference that schedules the least amount of back-to-back games is the SEC by far. So they, they, they get to avoid that. But, but I think in general, in college basketball and college football, if you, if you see trends where they're on back-to-back away games or they're just going away in general, I think that's the hardest thing for college, college you know, 18 to 22-year-olds to do is to win on the road and to win on the road in back-to-back situations. So I always pay attention to those trends. One thing you said, man, that I wanted to loop back around on, and again, Patty C. Coast of the college experience with you talked about how he, you know, you talked about how he played uh, defensive back um, at JMU. And of course, we also had Eric Olson, who uh, was a lineman at Northwestern. You know, man, on a big stage on a big scale, 
uh, you know, if you can't necessarily, if your game doesn't translate to the pro level and things kind of change, I think the ultimate kind of fallback is always what? It's always broadcasting. It's always being an analyst for, you know, these big networks. And I understand that they pay, you know, exponentially and they pay what they are worth in marketing and all that type of stuff. But I really, as this kind of goes forward, man, in legalization and sports betting, you know, what do you think of, you know, what can somebody who played football at a highest level really kind of offer, you know, do you think that there'll ever be a time where maybe, you know, people go into the sports betting sports analyst kind of space instead of the traditional game day or, or major cable networks and all that type of stuff? Uh, when it comes to, you know, I guess the kind of the, it all loops back around to one thing. What is the value of somebody who kind of, you know, who played in the sport and especially at a high, the highest of levels, what do you think that they would ever be able to offer in terms of, you know, sports betting and sports gambling? I've talked to Eric about this a ton when he said, you know, there were certain situations you just know your, your, your team is going to get up and there's certain spots where you're like, God, this sucks. This, this stretch of road games is this, and this is that it's, it's a human aspect of it. But what do you think they, you know, those type of people could offer? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Aaron about that too, and he seems to be pretty on it with uh, Northwestern when when they're up and when they're down. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's something that as the as the more legalization happens, I think it's inevitable, and I think it will happen. I mean, you're seeing it from even Brent Musburger, who I know he wasn't a player, but you're saying he you're seeing him get get into the gambling industry. So I would think more and more former athletes would do that, and I do think there's probably a certain edge for for some of the athletes, you know, especially the ones that. I think, uh, understand the game better. You know, I don't know that mean I don't know if that means your quarterback or your middle linebacker or your safeties, but, uh, it, as long as they know the game, well, I would think that, that they would have a little bit of a, uh, an upside to, because they've, they've, they've done that. You know, they, they know that the inside of a locker room, they know the way certain coaches coach, you know what I mean? So I would think that would be a little bit of an edge as opposed to someone like myself who just watches a ton, uh, you know, uh, Patty C played college football. I can't say that. So I, I, I do think there's value in that. And I do think it will happen more and more. And I, it wouldn't surprise me to see like former, because we haven't really seen the NFL embrace it yet. I feel like, I feel like the NBA embraced it, but I do think the NFL will probably, that's next on their agenda. I would think is to, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. The more States that legalize it, the more that they're going to embrace gambling. Yeah. I mean, so too much I money hope, at stake yeah. to not, I think. Exactly. Exactly, man. Uh, lastly, so. before we switch over to the upcoming card, man, of course, we're going to get uh, your thoughts on that as well. But I want to ask you one thing, and I want to kind of give you the floor of this, because I think what you have is uh, such an amazing take on this. And you have uh, disaffectionately called the college football playoff, the college football invitational. And I absolutely love that. And I want to kind of give you the floor to speak on why you feel this way, because I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to kind of segue this by giving you uh, a little bit of, um, or giving anyone else out there, I should say really kind of a glimpse into this. And I want your take on this. Um, so I'm going to give you the floor first to kind of, you know, put your thesis out there on why it should be called that or why you feel it is that. And then I'm going to kind of dig into this as far as specifically from it, the exact BCS, uh, website, what they look for when evaluating teams. And I want your thoughts on each one of them. Um, so kind of the floor is yours on, on why you uh, feel so strongly that this playoff system needs to be changed, man. Uh, it's just a joke. It's not, I don't, because a true playoff system has set parameters. You know what I mean? A true playoff system has like, you got to win your division. You got to win this, you know, and clearly I, I personally think they've got it wrong every single year. <laughs> you know, there was one year they got the four teams right, but they, they didn't have them seated correctly. <laughs> and I think a lot of that, they, they wanted to protect the name brands of Alabama. And I want to think, uh, I think they wanted to protect uh, Oklahoma. 
So uh, that my problem is, is that that's, that's the flaw in, in, in college football to the end. Four teams out of 130 is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. So I, I've still been lobbying for, people say eight. I, I think eight is not even the answer. I think you should have all of your conference winners. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the point of the regular season? Like, UCF won 25 straight games, and they didn't get in. They had two back-to-back undefeated seasons, and it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? That, that's the equivalent of, like, putting the 1990 UNLV running Rebels, who were one of the best college basketball teams ever, not in the tournament because they didn't play in a power conference, but they were, like, 32-1. and one. You know what I mean? And they had uh, three first-round draft picks on their starting five. It's unbelievable. That, I mean, that UCF team, the, the first one that beat Auburn, had several NFL players that got drafted. It was like seven or eight players got drafted that year, and they've all been good in the NFL for the most part. Um, so it just makes zero sense to me. They've gotten it wrong. And another year, like TCU, their inconsistency is what makes it so annoying. Like they, they had T- TCU should have got in. They put Ohio State in, and their, their argument then was, well, TCU doesn't play a conference championship game, right? So, so they, got, they got deducted because they didn't play a conference championship game, which is all good and fair because, the, sure, they should have played an extra game because Ohio State did, but they also had a, a I thought, a, a bet, they played a tougher schedule than Ohio State did that year. But if you're going to do that argument, stick to it. So last year when Notre Dame does it, they don't play a conference championship. So what, you're going to put them in over another team that's undefeated, but they didn't play a conference championship. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, you went, you said this a year or two ago. Now this is happening, and now you're not sticking to it because Notre Dame's such a name brand. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And that's my issue is the politics with college football. There's too much politics into it, and they should just pick the teams that, like, if you go undefeated, I don't care. You're in Division One. You should have a chance to play for the national championship. It's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous to me. How I do don't care get, if you're in the way. You know, or, or, yeah. How do we get to a point where we take, um, like, how do we make it non-subjective? How do we get to a point where the numbers are, you know, in the NFL, your record is your record and it's not subjective. It doesn't matter if the, if the quote unquote better team, uh, you know, was a game behind them. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. How do we get to a place like that in college football? You think it's just division winners? I, I think it's this simple. I mean, FCS does it. Division two does it. Division three does it. High school does it. It's so obvious. It's like, yes, I would take, I mean, personally for me, I would do 32 teams because you would do, you can still have your, your arguments for rankings and just take your 10 conference winners. Right. And then if, if Notre Dame happens to go undefeated or something, that would be 11 teams because they're an independent. I would also try to force them to join a, a conference, but I don't think that can happen. But, um, uh, and then you can sort out the other 22 teams, you know what I mean? Like on rankings. You know, but t- they deserve a shot. If if you go undefeated like this year, I really believe the Mountain West and the AAC, the American Conference, are better than the ACC. I think it's a tougher gauntlet to run, especially the Mountain West this year. I think the Mountain West is better than the the American, but I think both are better than the ACC. When you really look at the ACC as a conference, you can't tell me. I mean, the Mountain West is three and one against the SEC this year, and three of the four games have been on the road in SECville. So. I mean, if that doesn't tell you anything right there, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to say besides like it's on, like if Boise State goes undefeated and does not and wins in the Mountain West and beats all those teams that have proven to be decent, and they won at Florida State, went cross country. Yeah, Florida State's down, but how are they supposed to know that when they scheduled that three years ago? They deserve a shot to play for the for for the the national or for the, in a, in a playoff for a championship and. 
the fact that they, they keep ruling these these teams out, it's 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 to me that's what makes it. It's not a playoff; it's an invitational. They only invite they only invite the the name brands. It's never even TCU. It's part of the Big Twelve. They they shunned them. You know what I mean? And they they've shunned some other schools too. Um, so, so until they fix that, I will always call it an invitational because it's just, it just does not make any lot. There's no logic behind it. Let's talk about that logic, bro. Again, this is right from the official college football playoff website. And I'm, I'm going to read a couple of things and then give you the floor for your opinion on this, because uh, to me, my biggest problem is just say what it is. And if you're going to weigh things differently because of conference, just say you're going to do it. But again, that's the politics that you talked about, but I'm going to read this off to you and let me know your thoughts on this. All right. This is yeah. how to select the four best teams to compete for the college football national championship adopted unanimously by the BCS group, June 20th, 2012 ranking football teams is an art, not a science football is popular in some measure because the outcome of a game between reasonably matched teams is so often decided by emotional commitment, momentum injuries, and the unexpected bounce of the ball in any ranking system. Perfection or consensus is not possible. And the physical impact of the game on student athletes present prevents elaborate playoff systems of multiple games for purposes <laughs> of any four team playoff. The process will inevitably need to select the four best teams from among several with legitimate claims to participate. What do you think? I mean, that just sounds like the biggest bullshit they could put into a paragraph right there. You know what I mean? like, because how can it happen on every other level of college sports? You know what I mean? How can it happen on, 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 on like I said, FCS, North Dakota state and, and James Madison, that they they have to run this gauntlet, you know what I mean? And then, and then so on, whether it's Mount union or whoever, and the other divisions, um, it's just, it's just, they're creating that to try to save their ass. But it's just, as you read it, you start laughing. I, I mean, I'm sitting here. I was laughing. I'm, I got my brother next to me. We both giggled at, at like, man, this is, I love that phrase, the way they phrase that because it just screams bullshit to me. What's the, the first, my biggest thing is, is the first, this is the first thing they say. Ranking football teams is an art, not a science. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, what's amazing is someone got paid for that. Someone got paid <laughs> to write that paragraph and it's just like, Dude, we're going to need you to produce. Can you throw together the best amount of bullshit to try to make this look legit? <laughs> and that's essentially what, what, what that comes across as to me. Let's look at some more of these. Ready? When circumstances at the margins indicate that teams are comparable, then the following criteria must be considered. We'll go one by one. Championships one is the first thing in the past one, not championships one in the past year, two years, three championships one. What do you think about that? <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous considering, you know, each university has been at different levels, uh, you know, division one or, or, you know, and it's subjective. I mean, you go back and look at like, take the nineties, Nebraska won a national championship. I think it was 94 or 93 and Penn state went undefeated and Penn state played in the Rose bowl because their politics. So Penn state didn't get a national championship, but they, they went undefeated. So, but how are they not national champions? And in, in my mind, they're not, they're as much national championship as Nebraska. Same with Georgia Tech in 1990. You know what I mean? When they sh shared one against Colorado. It makes no sense, but that th they don't have a championship banner hanging up because they didn't get a national championship. So it's, it's just, it just doesn't, there's not much logic there, man. It, it, it's just silly. It's just silly. Another thing is like certain football programs have gone back like 100 years. That's what I was going to say. I think <laughs> well, who, who has the most ever? It's USC, I think, right? Uh, no, USC, I think, has the most players drafted ever i think the most championships is michigan or the most wins is michigan most championships might be alabama or oklahoma 
I'm not even sure off the top of my head because so that means you go that so you far can, back. Yeah, you can go back. So say you go back 100 years. Now, they whoever won the most automatically should be the preseason number one if you're saying that's the first thing you look for. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that just so – that's just so stupid. The, the logic is so stupid behind that. It's like, well, back in uh, – imagine that in college basketball because it's like, well, UCLA won, what, like nine national championships in a row in the 60s? So it's like, oh, well. You know, last year's UCLA team should get in because they won nine national championships in the 60s. It's just ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Some shit 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you know, yeah, makes man. no sense. It's, it's, it, trust me, the more you read into it, the more you're going to scratch your head and be like, and I love college football, but to me, the flaw is as this, it's the only sport to me as the season goes on, the more frustrated you get at the season. You know what I mean? Where as like, even in the NFL and, and even the NBA and major league baseball, you know, as the season gets on, you get more and more interested because you're like, oh man, they're going to, they, these teams are going to play. You know, they're going to run into each other at some point. Well, in college football, you're like, no, like UCF might not run into anybody because they're not going to put them in. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever it be, Boise State or even TCU that one year where they smacked, you know, they went, uh, I think 12 and one or whatever their record was. And they, they played, they got drone. They, they gave them Ole Miss and they beat them 41 to three in the bowl game. And it's like, dude, they should have been playing for the, for the national championship. They were that good. And they beat the team that, that, uh, that beat them just doesn't make a lot of sense, man. And, and same with, uh, same with, uh, like, like e- they even have an effect on the bowl games. A perfect example is they have a committee. So I'm not even a UCF like fan, but I just think they, they, they were do a fair shot, but UCF Last year, like I said, won 25 straight games, and they should have been playing the University of Florida, right? The, if, you, if you look at the way the, the seedings are lined up, the, second, uh, the, the, the third best team in the, in, the, in the SEC was supposed to play in this game, and they're supposed to get the best of the, the, the group of five, and the group of best of the group of five was UCF. So they should have been playing Florida. But you know what I think, and they'll never admit to this, but for some reason, they had them fly all the way. That game was supposed to be in Atlanta, by the way. But instead, the powers that be were like, dude, UCF's won 25 in a row. Florida's not that great of a team last year. Let's send them to Arizona to take on LSU, <laughs> right? Which th- didn't make any sense. And, and if you look at the committee, and guess who happens to be a member of the committee? Oh, Florida's athletic director. He would hate to have to play UCF and lose because if you could lose your recruiting ground there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so I, I just find that ironic. It's too ironic. And I don't know that for certain that he was fighting against it. But to me, there's where there's smoke, there's fire, man. I, I, I would believe that that he had some power in, in voting them to go to Arizona to take on LSU when it made no sense. Next one, strength of so. schedule. Another subjective one, right? Because that's inherently going to be tilted to the SEC again. Which, which is even, that one makes me laugh. Like, that one is even worse because, like, once again, I just earlier in this this recording i said hey they play the least amount of back-to-back away games the least amount of away games in general as a conference they play less away games than every other college football conference so that is an advantage and then they play less back-to-back away games than every other conference so i mean how they don't they don't look at like dude i don't hate the sec i I mean I, i i start to hate them because i see this advantage and no one acknowledges it but i'm saying like I'm just trying to call a spade a spade here. And it's like, they don't play as many away games. And statistics say when you, when you hit the road, you lose. Perfect example. The PAC 12, for some reason has this horrible, you know, image of it's, you know, it doesn't have an elite team. I have, you know, that when 
the other Power Five has played at the Pac-12 schools the Pac- over the past five years. The Pac-12 is 20-2 and two. coming into the season. I know some of the stats have probably changed this season, but coming into this year, it was 20. They're 20-2, and two, by far the best winning percentage when they play a home game against, against the other Power Five. Second best was the Big 12, right? Third best was the Big 10. Fourth best was the ACC. And guess who was last out of the Power Fives? SEC has the worst record when they have the, the other Power Fives come play them at home. You can look it up. It's all there for you. So to me, I don't understand how they come of this thing of strength of schedule. Another thing is preseason ranking. Their preseason rankings can jade the strength of schedule. The, the fact that they don't have a nine-game conference schedule. They play eight conference games. So therefore, you are going to have one more bowl team that played a crappy you know, uh, uh, group of five team so that's going to help the, the, the strength of schedule. So when Vanderbilt makes a, uh, when Vanderbilt goes six and six and makes a bowl, but they only had two SEC wins and they beat Western, you know, I'm just going to name a few teams like randomly, like Western Kentucky, uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, uh, you know, UNLV and, uh, and, you know, Middle Tennessee. So they won four games there. So all they had to do is win two games in the SEC. They go six and six. They make a bowl game, which helps the strength of schedule as all, all the other teams. Whereas if you play nine schedules, teams like Indiana that have over the past three or four years has been five and seven, that pretty much would be six and six if they went, if they don't went to an eight game schedule, then they'd be a bowl team. Then they would prop up Michigan strength of schedule. Then they'd prop up Ohio state strength of schedule. Then they'd prop up, you know, Penn state strength of schedule. It's so obvious to me, man. It's very frustrating when you, when you really dive into college football the way that we do, I don't understand how they can be of that opinion. All right, next one up, head-to-head competition if it occurred. So basically, I mean, that one's pretty I, – I, I can give him a pass on that one. If two teams that are comparable played each other, you, you give the advantage to the, to the team that won. Okay, the last one I want to talk but, about. But that, no, 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 no. But, All right, but, go ahead. But, but, I didn't but, think but, you were going to have anything to say on that. The floor is yours, kid. No, so, so let me ask you this then. Like a couple years ago, they put Ohio State in over Penn State. Penn State beat them head-to-head, and then Penn State played the extra game. Like So Penn State won their division one that their side of the division. So Ohio state and Penn state share the same division in the big 10, big 10 East Penn state beat them head to head and then played for the big 10 championship and beat Wisconsin in Indianapolis, played that extra game. They put Ohio state in <laughs> now Penn state had one more loss than them, but it doesn't matter. They also played one more game than Ohio state because they played in the conference championship and they won their conference. So they won, they were the best team in the big 10 by what their standards say. And they won head to head. And instead they put Ohio state in the playoffs and they put Penn state in the Rose Bowl to play USC. Tell me how that makes any sense with what you just quoted. You know what I mean? It doesn't. And there's four things that they one through four look at. And I'm going to say one thing that is a glaring omission here. You know, the one thing that's not here, their overall record, (laughs) by the way, (laughs) which is, yeah, just retarded, just absolutely fucking retarded. Um, Man, that's crazy. Last one, brother. And this is my favorite one. If we thought the last three were bad, you're going to lose your mind on this one. Comparative outcomes of common opponents without incentivizing margin of victory. Now, what that means is it, how much you beat a team by has no bearing and how you look has no bearing according to the committee. What do you think? <laughs> What's the point? What's the point of the games then? It's like, okay, so if you win by one, Against Tulane. That means every one and, and O team after week one should all be co-ranked number one. Yes, exactly. And that, that that's hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious that they would not factor that in because I, I don't understand what, what else you in, in a system that only allows four teams out of 130 
That makes zero logic. Now, if it was a set playoff where you wouldn't have to worry about this shit, if you got in, you got in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, man. It's very, very, it just, I mean, you can't get any dumber than what, 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 what you're reading. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man. No idea, bro. Um, we're going to break into this upcoming slate, man, because I think we just fixed the college football playoff system on the Inside Vegas podcast with you, buddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll break into this. But as always, guys, myself and Colby on the college experience, SGP Network as a whole, always brought to you by mybookie.ag. College football season in full swing that we're talking about. You want some futures. You want some prop bets, parlays. Mm-hmm. They got it all. Enter that promo code SGP, and it'll get you $1,000 on your first deposit. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. We're also on Amazon. Go to sportsgamingpodcast.com, click the Amazon banner, bookmark that link, and get yourself a nice Inside Vegas swagged out t-shirt. And, of course, College Experience also on there. See what I did for you there, buddy? Yeah, I love that, buddy. I'll send you some uh, royalty money on that. Yeah. I'm Um, not fucking around. Um, when you look through a slate, man, you have a card up there, right? So the Saturday or even, you know, standalone games, what is something you key in? And again, I know you pick every game ATS, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's a secret. You're not f- betting with your own money every single game ATS, unless you are, um, you know, what do you kind of tr- try to zone in on? Is it just a line that looks off? Is it injuries? Is it scheme fit versus scheme fit coaching mismatches? Kind of, how do you go about kind of your first steps at analyzing what you're going to actually kind of bet it and kind of lock up for the shows? I would say a little bit of all of that, man. I mean, obviously you want to pay attention. Like I said, uh, I, sometimes I go against my own rules and sometimes it costs me, but, uh, I pay attention to -to back-to-back away games. I pay attention to, uh, how, like, I mean, normally like take, for example, Iowa state for some reason over the past like decade or two, that's been a really hard place to win. If you're ranked, you know what I mean? Like sometimes those Iowa state teams weren't even good. They were like three and nine, but for some reason, you go into Ames. It's a tough place, so you have to you have to pay attention to stuff like that. Now, uh, I'll also say, you pay attention to all. If you pay attention to all 130 teams, you try to. Obviously, some things can get past you, but you you pay attention to who's really bad, and you try to get ahead of Vegas on that. Like I, I know early this season, I watched UMass. I was first off, I, oh, UMass went out and 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 they fired their coach Mark Whipple, who's now Pitt's offensive coordinator. And I thought, man, they, he didn't do that bad of a job at UMass. I thought he did was doing a decent job. I thought he kind of got fired uh, unjustly. And they went out and hired Watt Bell, who was Florida State's offensive coordinator. And Florida State was horrible last year. I, I don't know how he landed. He, this guy failed upward, much like Cliff Kingsbury going to the pros. So I don't know how, how, how that happened. But I, So I circled them coming into the season. One of my locks for a win total was UMass on the under. And I just thought, man, this coach, A, they lost a lot of talent. Andy Isabella left, you know, to, to, he's on the Arizona Cardinals. Their, their quarterbacks are gone. Like, I just thought, man, this team could be really bad. And sure enough, going through, I didn't bet them the first week, but I watched them and I was like, they're fucking terrible. So, and then I, you know, I felt like I was ahead of Vegas on that. I kept fading them every week as one of my locks and it was hitting. Same goes for Bowling Green. I mean, Bowling Green, it seems like two years in a row. You know, Bowling Green went out and hired this defensive coordinator, Brian Van Gorder, who I thought was, I've known him to be horrible at Notre Dame and at Louisville. So I was like, oh, I'm fading the hell out of them this year, <laughs> you know, like, because they're not going to be able to stop a nosebleed. You know what I mean? So, so the pay attention to those things. And then obviously like some of them are just gut feelings like Oregon at Washington this week. I'm like, huh, I think Chris Peterson is that much better of a coach than Mario Cristobal. Now you could sit there and look at the rosters. And I think Oregon's roster is probably better at this point, but I just think Chris Peterson 
the, the intangibles of Oregon having a bad special teams, their, their kickers terrible and the, and the strength of Peterson teams are normally very good uh, with their special teams, very good with, you know, lack of penalties. And I just think that's a gut play. I'm going to go with Washington to cut, to cut, to cover that one. You know what I mean? But I, obviously you can always be wrong on these things, but I think more times than not, I'm right. That you are, my friend. And again, for all of your lucks and all of your plays, turn into the college experience. But hey, we're on my show, bro. So I'm going to get two of, two of them from you a little bit early. Or I, actually, I think your show drops uh, before. So the, yours will be, um, I think, at least same time. So uh, give me two games on this slate that we can kind of put our, put our you know, hang our hat on as the Inside Vegas College Experience consensus crossover plays for this. We can kind of what went into those plays before I get you out of here. I just mentioned Bowling Green, right? Central Michigan, I've been riding, and I really like what they've been doing. Central Michigan had a bad year last year under John Bonamigo. They, they fired him. He was a decent coach. I don't even know that he deserved to be fired, but they only won one game last year. And this year, they bring in Jim McElwain from, uh, from Florida and formerly Colorado State, and I like that hire. He did good at Colorado State. He even had a couple good years in, at Florida, but just couldn't really get the offense rolling. Well, he comes into Central Michigan, and he's really got this Chippewa team playing much better than their in their previous season, and I and he walked into a nice situation. They, he had uh, Quentin Dormady, a former Houston and uh, Tennessee quarterback, transfer in, and Jonathan Ward was already there, a stud running back. And they're playing this Bowling Green team that I thought, you know, hey, this team's terrible. Now somehow Bowling Green, I will say this, Bowling Green shocked the the gambling world if you if you follow college football last week when they were like a twenty six point dog, and they beat Toledo for their first uh, FBS win of the season. I think that was just Toledo you know, Toledo laid an egg. They weren't paying attention. They thought, Hey, this is easy work. And you, when you play college football, anything can happen. So I don't think they, they're really a good team. And I think back to back games against decent opponents, Toledo, and now central Michigan is not going to look past them because they just saw them beat Toledo. And I like central Michigan to come into, uh, to, to Bowling Green, Ohio and Jonathan Ward and, and Dormandy and, and, and the rest of their Chippewa team to, uh, to, to take down Bowling Green minus the 12 points. Love it, man. Next one up as our final play. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to stick to a trend on this one. Duke at Virginia. I'm going to take Virginia minus three and a half points. And that's basically based on the fact head coach uh, for Virginia Bronco Mendenhall has never lost to Duke. They play him every year. He's never lost to Duke. If anything, even prior to uh, Bronco Mendenhall, the UVA just had Duke's number. So I'm going to take uh, Virginia minus the three and a half points. Another thing is Virginia's coming off a loss, a bad loss to uh, to Miami, where they actually severely outgained them and out first down them, and uh, and and they also played on a Friday night. They got an extra day of rest. So uh, I like Virginia to get back on track and, and beat the Duke Blue Devils in uh, in Charlottesville. I love it, my man. Well, man, I know you're on the road, and I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time. Again, I'm going to give you the floor. Plug what you have going on. Plug the show. It's all yours, buddy. Please check out the college experience on the uh, Sports Scaling Podcast Network. We post picks every week. And by the way, with college basketball right around the season, about, or right around the corner on November 5th, tipping off, we do it daily there. We cover every Division One college basketball game, every single one. We handicap me, Patty C, and uh, NC Nick, another guy that, that knows his college football and college basketball. We do a spreadsheet. We publish it on Twitter. We publish it also on the sportsgalingpodcast.com. We handicap every game, give you our locks. We've all been over the, over 500% picking every single game and also on our locks every single year. So check us out. It's well worth it if you, if you bet on college football or college basketball. 
My man, thank you so much, bro. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy uh, your kind of run around the world right now on shows, and we'll talk soon, all right? Sounds good, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.